This is the John Oakley Show podcast. That time of the afternoon, topics worthy of discussion. It's the panel grouping brought to you by Pizzaville, dial pound 3636. And joining us, as per usual, most Fridays, are Reverend Dr. Sherry DeNovo, Minister of Trinity St. Paul Center for Faith, Justice, and the Arts, and a former NDP MPP for Parkdale, Hyde Park. How's Sherry doing? I'm just wonderful. It's a beautiful day. Went to the X, loved it. Uh, great to be here. Great day for talk radio. What a time to be alive. <laughs> <laughs> John Capobianco, Senior VP, Senior Partner, and National Practice Lead for Public Affairs in Fleischman Hilliard's Toronto office is in the house. Hello, Johnny. Hello, John. Good to be here. Always a pleasure to be uh, here with you. Good to have you here and a pleasure as well. Michael Giles rounding out the panel in government 30 years, currently Chief of Staff to Deputy Mayor Anna Bailao. Michael, how are you doing? I'm great. It's great to be back with my compatriots. <laughs> Welcome back from vacation. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's like old home week. Yeah, it is. It's true. Let me ask, you know, I'm out of, out of curiosity, uh, Sherry DeNovo, mm-hmm. as a woman of the cloth yes. uh, <laughs> and as one who uh, is an ardent supporter of uh, female emancipation and aspirations and all the rest of that. I was just talking about this interesting story out of North Carolina where a sheriff's deputy has been fired because he alleges uh, he refused to train a female colleague uh, because he would have to be in the patrol car with her alone. And he adheres to something called the Billy Graham rule, where Billy Graham, the pastor, back in the 40s, implemented this, I guess, for all of his charges and colleagues, that uh, you should never be alone with a woman who's not your wife. And more recently, Vice President of the States, Mike Pence, uh, believes in such, you know, and said said so and was mocked for it, you know, during, he doesn't go to dinner with anybody who isn't his wife. I mean, I guess it's to alleviate temptation, not to be put in a compromising position or, you know, make it awkward and so on and so forth. I mean, because after all, Jimmy Carter, you might remember, uh, mm-hmm. lusted after women in his head. Well, he's, he, he spoke a, a truth that probably, uh, uh, you know, he shouldn't have in retrospect. but um, No, but the point you know. being that that still constitutes <laughs> adultery uh, to his mind and that of many it, uh, evangelicals. This week I am preaching on a passage where Jesus, and, and most people are in the Christian church, heals a woman on the Sabbath uh, out of Luke. I mean, women were the first uh, witnesses to the resurrection. Um, I mean, women are all through the New Testament, and Jesus worked with women, traveled with women. Yeah, but he had 12 Priscilla guys Priscilla and Hebrews, another passage, you know. To, oh, no, but that's you know, not my argument. I, I mean, started the first church in the Corinth and oh, okay. Ephesus. I mean, this is not Christian, so I want to say that. Now, I can uh, understand that a person in uh, male in power... Uh, would not want to be in a, a room alone. Um, I, when I counsel, um, for the most part with men, will keep the door open or my staff knows, and I think I did that in political life too, that's protection. But that's not, you know, come on, traveling in a, a traveling in a, a, you know, not working with women, that's misogyny. That's That has nothing to do with Christianity. Well, all right. Uh, is this something that you would call religious accommodation at the very least, though, uh, or at the most, John, because, you know, this guy... Uh, Maybe they could find another sheriff's deputy to uh, help this woman, you know, teach her the ropes in the patrol car alone. And uh, therefore, this guy, you know, he's given some dispensation because he has a belief system. Well, and I think that in this particular case, he found somebody who didn't give him particular, it didn't give him seriousness or didn't take the issue quite seriously. But I, I would imagine there would be others that would probably understand where he's coming from and would have given him some accommodation uh, for his religious beliefs. But listen, I'm one to, to say, look, if you if you believe in whatever religion you believe in, uh, you know, good on you. And, and who's who are we to judge, you know, based on what you 
you believe or not believe. And in the case of Billy Graham and his issues back in, I think, in 1940, I think is when yeah. he, he came up with it, um, I didn't realize that was the case until Mike Pence. And I think a lot of folks, uh, it was Mike Pence's situation where he basically said that he wouldn't go to uh, dinner with uh, with a woman alone unless his wife was there, or he wouldn't go to an event that served alcohol unless, uh, unless his wife was with him. I think that's when it sort of got brought to four or the mainstream this this issue but i think nowadays john with me too there's a lot of uh men who wouldn't be in a room uh being with a meeting or if they're meeting with a, a junior staffer or somebody unless there's somebody else in the room or another woman in the All room right. because well, that might be very prudent. careful yeah, okay. okay and that's not religion so much as it is maybe just being prudent with their well, uh, and the reason i bring this up is because the religious component is important to the story yes uh, it's integral because what he's trying to do is say that uh he should have been granted special accommodation religious accommodation and therefore he's not being discriminatory uh Michael Giles, how do you resolve this with the wisdom of Solomon that you usually exhibit? <laughs> well, one could end up with a ne'er-do-well in the wagon. No, that's, I mean, in, in serious, this is, it's just out of date. And, you know, I understand, okay, the vice president of the United Why States. Why is that out of date? Well, I mean, it's his religion. It's yeah. not his religion. No, it's, it's not his, his belief system. Well, it's his I mean, belief it's system, but the difficulty here is, you know, the, the, I can understand, say, the vice president of the United States, as, as Sherry said, because, you know, the, the position of power and all this kind of stuff. But he's probably in the wrong business. What if he stops and arrests a woman and, you know, cap, cap, you know, she's in the middle of doing something, he arrests her and puts her in the back of the car. Does he wait for another unit to come to, uh, to take her away? Calls or for backup. Calls for backup. He'd have, he'd have a male partner in the car. Well, yeah, but there the point... There you go. Yes, but I mean, that's the, the <laughs> point is, I guess that's my point, is to what a point do, uh, to what extent do we accommodate this kind of thing? You know, you could go on forever on this. What if it was, a, for example, a gay police officer? Could he not be with a male? Is it a, a lesbian? Could not be with... I mean, it starts to get a little over the top, and I think that, uh, you know, in this instance, it's, you know, I've, I've worked in, in, in environments all my life with women. I've never had anything other than, you know, totally respectful pure behavior. Thoughts. Pure thoughts. <laughs> pure thoughts <laughs> and <Okay>. respectful <laughs> behavior. Right. Why, Why even open that can of worms? <laughs> yeah. I mean, now was not necessary. Jimmy Carter aside, yeah. yeah. And who do you think is buying that line of reasoning? Uh, all right, uh, we'll we'll leave it for now because uh, I guess we've fleshed it out, uh, no pun intended, uh, adequately. There's another story that uh, this one really is red meat for the likes of uh, those on the left who feel that uh, Doug Ford has betrayed a lot of files and uh, education is one that's looming as a big ticket item in the days ahead because we got the teacher's contracts lapsing at the end of this month and there's talk that there might even be uh, full-on strike, rotating strikes, job action, whatever the case may be. Uh, Now, the current minister, uh, Stephen Lecce, put some water in their wine just yesterday by suggesting, you know, class sizes are not going to be dramatically increased as much as had been anticipated by their earlier announcements back in the spring in the budget. You know, the secondary school class sizes going from average 22 to 28. Now he says it's from 22 to 22.5 students. So, you know, and the unions are angry at that too, saying, well, you've already disrupted things. You've upset the apple cart. How are we supposed to shift gears now that you've changed the rules or moved the goalposts and blah, 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 blah. But in the event that there is this job action or a strike, uh, and let, let me ask you first off, John Capobianco, uh, can the Ford government afford to have the teachers actually go out on strike? I mean, this is going to be played out for the, the hearts and minds of the public. Public perception is going to play a huge role and uh, in any standoff 
who do you think the public would side with, the government well, or the teachers? I, I, I would, with the students, obviously. And I think that the, the problem here, uh, John, as you well know, is that this happens almost every time uh, when it comes to summer and the beginning of school season and unions and the teachers and the, and the kids are, are the pawns and all this because obviously the, the threat of, of a strike and a threat of a work-to-rule situation that's happening is, is going to cause parents to be, uh, you know, flustered because they're all getting their kids ready for school. And to think that there might not be classes, I think, is going to be a, a problem. But, you know, the issue here is that you're never going to do, as conservatives, you're never going to do anything that's going to make the, 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 the teacher unions happy on this issue. When you look at sort of class sizes, and, and, and something's got to be done with education, because everybody claims that funding and education has, has dropped, when in fact, the reality is funding and education has increased, and has increased even when the liberals were in power specifically. Um, and there were stats where it says the liberals planned on spending $29.1 billion, uh, when they were in power, and the PC's April budget has that $31.5 billion in spending for education. So it didn't go down, it's going up. And to go from 23 to 24 kids and 22 to 22.5, depending on you know grades 4 to 8 or grades 8 to 12, that's just realistic, and it's something that has to be done, and the unions have to understand that. And I think if the, the government sells the message properly and tells the message properly to parents, parents will understand that, John. All right. Uh, so public perception would be on the side of the government is what he's saying. Sherry, agree? Uh, no, actually. Um, again, uh, the government is asking for action in in their actions. Um, you know, they've cost thousands of jobs. They've taken away $100 million from school, uh, the school board's budget to fix up schools. Um, they've cut 4% of the, the school board's budget. I mean, we John have just said there's actually an increase well, in education you spending. you know, I would dispute those facts. Um, and, and the reality is we've got tons more students. Um, so when you're looking at per, cap- is down. per capita spending on our students is the lowest in Canada, certainly for post-secondary students and also elementary and high school. So you're, I've got school in my riding where children have to wear coats in the winter because a heating system doesn't work. It's too hot in the classrooms in the summer, especially in the portables. Uh, I mean, school, this this is the reality. And the problem is our teachers do care for their students. And our teachers, by the way, are also parents, um, many of them. And parents care for their students and they can see this. The school buildings are falling apart in my riding. Mm. Um, and this has been an ongoing problem. And it's getting worse, and this present government is not doing the right thing. So what you're saying right? is then uh, what the, the teachers' unions are trying to establish here is that uh, it's about the kids. It's not about the interests of the teachers themselves. It's about the infrastructure and all the rest of these things. Those are the primary considerations of and, the teachers' unions. And not unions. only infrastructure. I mean, they cut Indigenous education. That's the, that's against the Truth and Reconciliation uh, Commission. I mean, they've made some really egregious cuts and changes to the education system. Look at the year they took over sex ed. I mean, all of this is, is yeah, but they the, this government Did they not tweak it time. for the betterment? I mean, it's a more um, pragmatic approach than what the Liberals no, had on offer? actually, I don't think they did tweak it for the better, and they wasted well, a year doing it. you got more of a consensus it. now than you had before. Uh, actually, most of the parents, I mean, uh, you know, it would be very interesting to see what those parents well, said, I was but say, the vast majority of the parents That's anecdotal. wanted, um, well, not according to the, the uh, press who have asked for freedom of information on those stats. Well, if we um, don't again, know. A lot, you know. So again, these are all things that people, parents are experiencing in the classroom, teachers are experiencing. They have set themselves up for a pushback. And 
I wouldn't be surprised if it happens, and I don't think anybody would, uh, and it didn't need to happen. It's but, the government that's making it happen. Just before we go to Michael, I just want, I would just say, though, wouldn't it be Sherry's school boards and their responsibility for this, given the fact that they're the ones running the schools, they're the ones running the teachers, there's a lot of school boards that are spending way more money on, on issues other than uh, classroom and, and issues that, that involve kids at schools. And, and the government's given them a chance to be audited. And you know what? Only two school boards have volunteered to get their, their to get their numbers and their their uh, their books balance, uh, audited by the government, it, it, I think there's a, there's a responsibility the school boards have here that they need to be able to step up and do this. Uh, I mean, TDSB is what I know best. I mean, certainly has had a real problem balancing budgets, and uh, and and I you know again with these cuts, it's going to be even more difficult. So I don't think you're going to find pushback from them. They're not teachers, uh, but I mean, I, I, between the school boards, teachers and parents, I think of course you'll get pushback when the government it makes these moves. All right, let's get Michael in here quickly uh, um, on this matter. It'll be a hearts and minds battle, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, it's either Somebody's going to come out of this looking very badly. If the perception uh, with the public is that this is about, you know, students and buildings and fixing things up, then the government's going to have a tough time. If the perception is that this is about teachers and pay increases and not working as many hours and, you know, they have Christmas break march, then the teachers are going to lose on this. So I, it, it really will come down to hearts and minds. And you know what, Stephen, that she's a very smart minister and you can, you can see he's setting up the, the the, you know, the, the playing field here, ready for a battle if it comes to that. I mean, the other thing that's the smoking sort of thing in the background, and this is the federal election, and, you know, how will that play out? So I think you'll see the Conservatives will probably try to, to do everything they can to avoid a strike. But if the perception, you know, if there's a, if, again, it comes down to the perception of the public, perceives that teachers are, you know, demanding too much and are, you know, pay increases, and it really is about wages and all that, then they're going to lose. They're going to lose this this public battle. If it's perception that the government's not funding it enough, then they're going to lose. And as John says, you know, they, they're their argument is they're putting more money into it. So this it's going to be a very interesting sort of thing to watch. Uh, somebody's going to win on this, and it just depends on who gets the hearts and minds of the public. Well, you know, I think you're right about that. Just uh, trying to sound out the public in the first hour, uh, most of the calls suggested that the teachers are perpetually petulant. You know, they've always got some axe to grind, and it usually does dial back into their working conditions and so on and so forth. So how it's positioned, you know, from selling the message or massaging the message to the public would be rather instructive. You did reference as well the uh, federal election. That campaign is already underway, we've seen, with some salvos being already uh, lobbed yesterday and the day before. So I wanted to get to that as our next topic worthy of discussion for Pizzaville. Dial pound 3636. Sherry DeNovo, John Capobianco, Michael Giles on The Oakley Show. Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.